Well, as the summer is coming to a close uh, and our summer worship, our worship outside is coming to a close, so too is our summer with the Celts. And uh, we're, we're going to cover just a couple more topics about the Celts, and then I, I want to do sort of a, a closing sermon about uh, what I've learned and kind of highlights from our, our Celtic summer. But, but tonight we're gonna, today we're going to talk about a more subtle theme in Celtic Christianity, the theme of light and dark. If you read a lot about the Celts, if you read a lot of their liturgy, what you find is this theme, this metaphor of light and dark comes up a lot. Now, to begin with, you've you got to understand this image of light and dark and how it's such a primal image. It's so basic to the human experience. you got to think about it like this. Ancient people didn't understand light and dark, right? You understand something about light waves, like not that much, but we all understand basically that there's light coming from the sun right now. Okay, some of it's going, if you're parked over here, it's going directly into your eyes. If you're over here, it's bouncing off of stuff, and that light is going into your eyes, and that's how you see. And if the sun is not on, like at nighttime, or there's no light source, then there's no light waves and you can't see. Like, we, we kind of understand that. But in the ancient world, this was kind of a mystical thing. They didn't quite understand how light worked and how when the lights were out, it was. And, and the other thing is, by the way, they didn't have electricity. Okay? And so, in your life, there's not very often where it's really, truly dark. Okay? There's always normally a light. We, we have a word for it, a term for it. It's called light pollution. Like, you can't see that many stars if you live in town because there's so many lights on. And really, even if you're in the dark, it's not that scary because you can always grab your phone and turn it on. You can, always, you can always grab a switch and flip the switch on. And so you don't have to be afraid of the dark. But in the ancient world, they didn't have that. They spent a lot of their time worrying about light, worrying about being attacked in the night making sure there was fire so they needed to get up and they needed to see something they could light a candle or something to have light. Uh, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, we had two girls come and stay with us from the country of Honduras. And um, they, they came because both of them had uh, knee injuries, leg injuries, that hadn't healed properly. And so uh, the one girl had a hip, like her one leg was much shorter than the other. And the other one, her leg literally, like the bottom part of her leg went out and then went back in. Like there was a knee and then there was like an L in the bottom. And so they came and went to Shriner's Hospital to have surgery on these legs and stayed at our house for about a year, uh, these two girls from Honduras. And, and my mom reminded me this week that when they were getting ready to go home, uh, my mom asked Nellie, the one girl, she said, well, what? What are you going to miss most about being here in the United States? And without missing a beat, she said, the lights. She said, where I live, there is no electricity. It's in the jungle, and it is dark. She said, you guys don't even know what dark is. She said, it's so dark. By the way, she was also going to miss the refrigerator. Okay, so that was the other side of that story. <laughs> but the first thing she said was light. I mean, isn't it so natural? for kids to be afraid of the dark. Isn't this image so primal? Dark and light. It's just part of who, it's like there's certain images, fire and uh, water and monsters that we all sort of kind of get behind and understand even from a small age. 
Shouldn't surprise you then that this is a pretty biblical image. This image of light and dark <coughs> happens all through the scriptures. Okay, there's loads of examples, but let me just read from the beginning of the Gospel of John. Because this is a particular theme in the Gospel of John, this idea of light and dark. John begins his Gospel, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So Jesus has always been. Okay, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the image of Jesus in the Gospel of John is that he's light. This is a dark world, and the light comes. And if you follow the Gospel of John through, Jesus will say in 319, the light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because of their works, because their works are evil. John again, Jesus says again, uh, in 8.12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have life. So this idea of, of light and dark is so key to the Bible. The whole Bible begins with light and dark being separated. That's how the whole book begins. Okay, so light and dark are a huge, huge theme in the Bible. It's also a big deal for the Celts. Okay, now... Metaphors, we, we just need to kind of cover this real quick because this becomes important later. That metaphors are meant to say things, but not all things. And that metaphors can change and metaphors can break down. So I've used this example before, but perhaps the most, one of the most recognizable metaphors of our lives come from the movie Forrest Gump, right? It says life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Okay, and everybody gets that. They're like, yeah, that metaphor totally makes sense. But isn't it also true that sometimes you get a box of chocolates and the chocolates are marked, right? Then you know exactly what chocolates you're getting. Okay, <laughs> or if you're at my house, when you, we get a box of chocolates, it's typically all peanut butter meltaways. You know exactly what's in that box because they're all the same, okay? But isn't it also true that sometimes in life you get exactly what you think you're gonna get, right? That exactly what you think you're gonna get. Or we could make even more metaphors out of this. Life is like a box of chocolates. It's full of nuts, right? Or life is like a box of chocolates. There's probably some gross ones in there. Life is like a box of chocolates. You're probably allergic to some of it, right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of metaphors. And so, so when we have a metaphor, they don't have to stay the same. They can change, they can shift, they can say different things based on different perspectives. Now, why is this important? Because this layer of light and dark has multiple, this, this metaphor has multiple layers of meaning behind it, particularly in the Celtic tradition. And, and a couple of them actually don't rely on other ones of them. And so you, you'll see that as this sort of plays out. So let me give you the three layers of this metaphor. First, light is good and dark is evil. This one seems to make sense to us. Okay, we see this actually playing out in our, in our world all the time. We talk about dark forces. We talk about going over to the dark side. We talk about someone being black-hearted. We commit blackmail. We put people on a black list and we sell things on the black market. 
People can be a beacon of light. They can speak light. There's light at the end of the tunnel. We are a shining light, a guiding light, a white night. Yeah, even a lot of our language involves this idea that light is good and dark is bad. And, and the Celts had, had this image as well. They thought that there were spirits and gods in this world. That some were from light and some were from dark. There was good and there was bad. And what you wanted to do was get on the good side of the good ones and keep the bad ones from getting mad at you. And so you wanted to appease the light ones and avoid ticking off the dark side. Okay? They had this sense of this. But then when they, when they became Christian and they read the Bible, they found this imagery of light and dark all over the place. That this was a dark world, that Jesus was the light of the world. Or as Isaiah 9 puts it, <coughs> the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This is actually a passage used a lot at Christmas time. Okay? So Celtic Christians felt like, yeah, there's darkness in this world, but we've been shown this light. And then they took it a step further, and I think Scripture does this too, that, that Jesus is the light of the world, but also in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That you were meant to bring light to this dark. And so part of what the, the Celts decided to do was to start monasteries and to teach reading and and to be missionaries and to be salt, but also, yes, be light in this world. Bring light to the darkness. Bring light to the darkness. Be people of the light. Jesus is the light of the world, but you're meant to be a light in this world too. This brings us to another layer. So, so layer one, okay, that light is good, dark is bad. Now, layer two of this metaphor is that light is knowledge and darkness is, is ignorance. Okay, light is knowledge and darkness is ignorance. So we see this in our own language too. The dark ages were followed by the what? The enlightenment. Okay, in cartoons, when somebody gets an idea, a light bulb goes off. What do we call smart people? They're bright. They're bright. Okay? And uh, we don't like being kept in the dark. We want things to be brought to the light. See how fundamental this metaphor is that we use it all the time. Yes. So for the Celts, learning was important. Now, now early on in Celtic history, they did not like writing. This is kind of an interesting thing, thing about the Celts. <coughs> they avoided writing, they avoided books. That was very Roman, but they loved learning. But they learned not from writing, but from telling stories from metaphor, from art, from song, from, from uh, their traditions. So they didn't want to write it down because they thought it needed to be lived. But then they got exposed to Christianity. And what they found was there was a lot of stuff that they needed to learn. Just like before they had tried to learn who the spirits and gods were and how to keep them happy. Now they started to find out, oh, Oh, well, God, we, we now know that there's one God, not many gods, and, and that God is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they learned the story of the saving life and work of Jesus. And what they found was actually, if you want to know more about Jesus, you've got to read this thing. It's called a Bible. And so the Celts started to take this very seriously, and they started to say, well, we lived in darkness before. Now we know things 
that brought us into the light. So they took seriously the thinking aspect of being a Christian. Okay, I get this from sometimes because you all are getting to know me and I, I'm, I tend to be a little bit deep in teaching and thinking and whatever. And people will sometimes be like, why can't it just be a simple faith? Yeah, because there's a thinking part of this, right? There's a mind part of this. One of my life verses is Romans 12, 12. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what changes you? When you change your mind. You know how God shapes you? Shapes your thinking. You change your thinking, you change your actions, you change your life. There's a mind part of this. That if you want to keep, if you don't want to look like the world and be conformed to the darkness of this world, you have to change your thinking. That that's part of how God works in our lives. A part of your mind is a critical element of following Jesus. Now, the key is not just to have knowledge, okay? Knowing is, is, we live in a world right now of not just, we call this the age of information, it's not. This is the age of over-information, okay? I can get on my phone and I can look up, like, anything I wanted to know about tires. Like, I could just, for days, research on my phone anything about anything. Okay, and I can go on Facebook and see what everybody had for dinner. It's, it's an amazing amount of information that we have in this world right now. We, you have so much information and so much knowledge at your fingertips. And yet, you know what we really lack is wisdom. What to do with it or what to, how to know. And so I want to make sure you understand this, that knowing in the Bible is different than just knowing information. After all, Satan knows who Jesus is doesn't make him a Christian. Okay, to know in the Bible is to know intimately. In fact, to, to be perfectly honest, when, when, at, when Abraham knows his wife Sarah, they have a baby. Okay, the, the word know is to, to know in Hebrew is to know in the most intimate sense. Okay, when you, when you know, you create life. But there's this sense that when you know, when you really know something, you know it intimately. You know it personally. And so it's not just about having information about Jesus. It's about knowing intimately Jesus. Okay, so layer one, light is good and dark is bad. Layer two is that light is knowledge and dark is ignorance. So we can sort of see the two. Now, but here, here's the third one. And the third one is particularly Celtic. The Bible doesn't talk about this exactly the same way with light and dark. Um, but it, it, it's kind of like, you, you gotta get in your head sort of my example of life is like a bo bo box of chocolates. Because this one doesn't quite line up with the other two. And it's okay, it's another way of saying this. It's, at some point, all metaphors break down and metaphors can say different things. As you mature, <coughs> Dark is not as bad as you thought it was when you were two. Did you know that? Okay, you don't, you don't have to be as scared of the dark as you were when you were a child. Sometimes dark is pretty cool. You can go into a dark theater to watch a new movie. You can take a late night walk and listen to the owls. You can go in a dark room and sleep. And sometimes light isn't that good either. Have you noticed that? When I get a migraine, I do not want the lights on. The lights give me a headache. Okay, sometimes uh, some screens are too bright. 
I don't think I could live in Alaska when it was light for like a whole month. Like I just couldn't do it. Okay. I need light and I need dark. So dark isn't always bad and light isn't always good. <clears throat> and in a lot of Judeo-Christian cultures like we have, that's how we think about the metaphor of light and dark. But in a lot of cultures that developed outside of the Judeo-Christian world, they have a different sense of light and dark, that it's a rhythm. That light and dark are like balanced partners in the cycle of life and in sort of a dance that gets us through this world. So the Celts had this understanding that light and dark were a pair. They need each other. You can't have dark without light and light without dark. In the Celtic world, the day started at sunset, just like the Jewish day. You started life in the womb in darkness, and you ended your life in a tomb in darkness. The dark was part of life. And like many ancient peoples, they understood that there, there was a connection to the land. Okay, so, so days got longer and shorter. Nights got longer and shorter. Seasons flowed. And so the Celts had this understanding that dark and light sort of went together. And some times of year are more dark and some type, times of year are more light. Right? That it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. Now, the Bible does not use light and dark with this kind of metaphor, but I actually do think the Bible teaches this kind of concept. One of, one of, another one of my life verses that I've preached on here before is Ecclesiastes 3, where the author says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Then he gives a bunch of metaphors, none of which are light and dark, but here's a couple of them. Time to be born and a time to die. Time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time for war, a time for peace. It sounds actually a lot like light and dark. So I think as you mature, you get this understanding that life is a mixed bag, right? There's highs and there's lows, and there's light times and there's dark times. And I wish it wasn't like that. Like, I wish life was just like a train track. Just go straight, stay steady. But life is not a train track, everybody. It's a roller coaster. And there's ups and downs and swirls and twirls. And, and that is just part of it. It's a mixed bag of sorrow and joy, of sadness and exuberance, of good times and of bad. And, and often what we say is, well, okay, the dark times, they, we call them bad. But actually, in some ways, they're not always that bad. Sometimes they're bad, but God is still at work. See, that's, the, that's where we get messed up. We think when we're in the dark, when we feel like we're in the dark, that Jesus isn't with us, as if the light is not with us anymore. But sometimes darkness is where you get enlightened the most. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes those are the places where you can see the best. And that's hard for us. It's hard for us to be in that sort of paradox that God enlightens us in dark times, that you see sometimes the clearest when it's dark. But it's part of life. And if I want to talk to you and I, and, I, and I wanted to find out about your life and really what made you who you were and got your history and your background, you wouldn't just tell me all the good times. 
Because a lot of times, even in the dark times, God shaped you. God shaped you in the dark times too. And so maturity involves learning to walk in the dark and realizing the dark isn't as scary as maybe you thought it was and maybe God is still speaking and working in the dark times. So let me close by encouraging you with three things. Walk in the light, seek the light, and learn to walk in the dark. Walk in the light. Okay, if Jesus is the goodness of this world, of this really dark world, then you need to be in his word and you need to be living as that light. Okay, be that light. Second, seek the light. Take seriously the thinking aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. Learn about scriptures. Pay attention to who God is. Because in renewing your mind, you will be transformed. Get to know God. Not just know about God, but know him intimately, personally. And finally, learn to walk in the dark. Experience that balance of light and dark in your life. And find God in the dark times too. See it as a balance. See it as a mix. See it as seasons of life and realize that God is with you no matter what the season is. Realize that Jesus is the light of the world and just because you don't feel like you're in the light doesn't mean the light isn't with you and guiding you. Doesn't mean that the darkness has overcome the light. Pray that, that the light of Jesus would draw you to it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.